It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is a vein of the Holy Ghost that has been here from the outset. And uh, it's the desire of God, I believe. He's speaking to us and would continue to do so. I am thankful for the name of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for the name. I I remember once years ago I was uh I was a chauffeur. It was a good thing. It wasn't my profession. I was chauffeuring somebody around. And uh we were having a uh I think they were calling it a prayer conference at the time uh, in Bellevue. And Brother Kenneth Haney was ministering there. And I had the privilege of driving him back and forth a couple of days. We were visiting one morning. Um, and he made this statement to me. He said, you know, Brother Hart. He said, I believe sometimes we so use the name so often that we lose sight of the sacredness, the power of the name. It becomes almost common to us. And it marked me when he said that. I've never forgotten that statement. I thought I don't want to get to a place to where the name becomes common to me. In the sense of just commonplace and it just rolls off my lips without even considering the utterance of my lips. Amen. It is the greatest name. All power in heaven and in earth belongs to the name. Jesus. Amen. I, I want to read some scripture to you today. You, you see me with all these books. These are all Bibles. And uh, we're going to read in several these few different translations today. I believe the Lord would like to talk to us very simply this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. It's one of those days where you need a bigger podium. Or you need to do this stuff digital so you don't have to lay out all these books. Huh? Amen. Don't get nervous. We're not going to read the whole book out of all three of these. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number one. First Corinthians chapter number one. Praise God. We're just going to start right there in the first verse. This is important so that we understand who Paul is writing to. All right? Listen to who he's writing to. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes, our brother. Verse 2 tells us who he's writing to. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, now he gets very specific, not just to the church. To them that are 
sanctified in Christ Jesus. That literally means purified internally by reformation of the soul. That's who he's writing to in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Sounds like he could be talking to us this morning based on where we've started. Verse 3, hear what he says. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Here's why it's given to you or what it accomplishes in you. Verse 5, that in everything you are enriched by him. Not by our own doing, by Him, by the grace He gives us. Where does that enrichment show up? In all utterance and in all knowledge. When the grace of God is operative in our lives and we are enriched by the Lord Jesus Christ, our utterance and the things we know and speak declare it. They're enriched by Him even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, just reading through that, you think, okay, that's good. What was he saying? You, but you get a sense really quickly. Paul was reaching to the church at Corinth to try to help them understand some things. Hey, God has called you. God has put his grace on you for these reasons. You were not, none of this happened by yourself, and you're no less than anybody else. You can hear from his words, even verse 7, where he said, so that you come behind in no gift in one place the scripture says you're not less than anyone else when his gifts are working in your life. He was appealing to them in that regard. And then verse 10 through 16, he begins to appeal to them about a unity in the body of Christ and how they don't compare among themselves and how some were looking at Paul and Apollos and picking different men. He's saying, hey, don't do that. We're all one in Christ and getting them to put their focus back on Christ. And it was Christ that had brought them out. It was Christ that had delivered them, Christ that had filled them, Christ that had saved them. It was the grace of God that was working. So he's reiterating that. But then I want us to pick up at verse 17. Now that we know who he's talking to, we know the context of what he's sharing. Listen to what he says in verse 17. And this is where we're going today. After he says all that about some say you're Paul, some Apollos. He's saying, let's forget all that. We're all Christ. Verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save who? Believers. To save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. To confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that, according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now you're going to bear with me. We're going to read a little bit more. Let this get into your spirit. We're going to talk about it. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Don't worry, we're not going to read as much as we just read. I'm just going to pick up at verse 17 from the New Living Translation. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know It is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. And the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. 
God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Again, I know there's a lot of reading, but I want to read to you in one other translation. We need to hear what the word of the Lord is saying to us today. I'm reading from the Amplified. Verse 17 again. For Christ, the Messiah, sent me out not to baptize, but to evangelize by preaching the glad tidings, the gospel, and that not with verbal eloquence, lest the cross of Christ should be deprived of force and emptied of its power and rendered vain, fruitless, void of value, and of no effect. For the story and message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those who are perishing and on their way to perdition. But to us who are being saved, the cross is the manifestation of the power of God. Let me say that again. But to us who are being saved... The cross is the manifestation of the power of God. For it is written, I will baffle and render useless and destroy the learning of the learned and the philosophy of the philosophers and the cleverness of the clever and the discernment of the discerning. I will frustrate and nullify them and bring them to nothing. Where is the wise man, the philosopher? Where is the scribe, the scholar? Where is the investigator, the logician, the debater of this present time and age? Has not God shown up the nonsense and the folly of this world's wisdom? For when the world with all its earthly wisdom failed to perceive and recognize and know God by means of its own philosophy, God in His wisdom was pleased through the foolishness of preaching Salvation procured by Christ and to be had through Him to save those who believed, who clung to and trusted in and relied on Him. For while Jews demandingly ask for signs and miracles and Greeks pursue philosophy and wisdom, we preach Christ the Messiah crucified, preaching which to the Jews is a scandal and an offensive stumbling block that springs a snare or trap into the Gentiles, it is absurd and utterly unphilosophical nonsense. Verse 24. This is to us. But to those who are called, whether Jew or Greek, Gentile, Christ 
is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is because the foolish thing that has its source in God is wiser than men. And the weak thing that springs from God is stronger than men. For simply consider your own call, brethren. Not many of you were considered to be wise according to human estimates and standards. Not many were influential and powerful. Not many of high and noble birth. No. For God selected, He deliberately chose what in the world is foolish. To put the wise to shame. And what the world calls weak. To put the strong to shame. And God also selected and deliberately chose. What in the world is low born and insignificant. And branded and treated with contempt. Even the things that are nothing. That he might depose and bring to nothing the things that are. Why did he do all of that? So that no mortal man should have pretense for glorying and boast in the presence of God. But it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus. Whom God made our wisdom from God. Revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden. Manifesting itself as our righteousness. Thus making us upright. And putting us in right standing with God. And our consecration making us pure and holy. And our redemption providing our ransom from eternal penalty for sin. So then as it is written. Let him who boasts and proudly rejoices and glories. Boast and proudly rejoice and glory in the Lord. Now, like I said, I know that was a lot of reading. But I pray you were hearing what the word of the Lord said. There is this attitude in the world today among Christianity. And I use that term Christianity loosely. I mean... As a whole, churchdom might be a better way to say it, religiosity, that living for God and the building of his kingdom can be done through personality and can be done in a nice, smooth, warm and fancy way if we get the right programs and we... We don't offend anybody with the word of God. We're just very careful about what we share and say so that everybody can like it. And everybody feels real good after they left church. And the word that came was, you know, easy to be received. It didn't dig in anybody's heart. It, it didn't question where I'm walking that the Lord's trying to pull me into right relationship. It just let me live however I want to live. But it, it tickled my ear. The scripture even talks about in the last days, men would heap to themselves... Teachers have.
having itching ears. They, they want something that sounds good. It, make, it soothes the conscience a little bit, but it, it doesn't get down and dig into my heart and deal with my spirit and seek to bring a healing and a correction for the salvation of my soul. It simply seeks to fill the pews and say we had a good church service and it looked good and felt good. But the Apostle Paul was declaring something in these passages of scriptures. He says, I'm not interested in any of that stuff. He was tired of religious tradition because he'd come out of it. He had been walking as a Hebrew, as a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, touching the law, he was perfect. But when he had an encounter on the road to Damascus one day, he realized in all my religious pursuit and going through the motions, I did not know God. I had no relationship with him myself. And he realized because he had no personal relationship with him himself that he was as lost as the sinner on the street. And his cry became, My Lord, my Lord, who are you? I've given my life to knowing the Word, but not knowing the God of the Word. I've given my life to living the letter of the law, but not knowing the God that is the living Word. Who are you? And the Lord responded resoundingly with a clear word for the Apostle Paul. He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And in that moment, the Apostle Paul got the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. That the living God, Jehovah of the Old Testament, was in fact the Messiah that had come. And he had missed it with many other Jews. That the one they'd nailed to the cross was the Messiah they'd been looking for. God had come and robed himself in flesh and dwelt among men. And men had rejected him and nailed him to a cross. And Jews were struggling with this concept. Because how is it the mighty God, when He came, we thought He was going to come and robe Himself in flesh and deliver us as an earthly king. They had the picture, the mindset that when Messiah comes, He's going to come in a grand way. He's going to reveal Himself in a great way, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And finally, Israel will be broken out of Roman rule and Israel will be rescued from bondage and all of that. And our king will come and he'll set up his throne and all of a sudden we'll be lifted to our rightful place. And they were looking for an earthly kingdom. Because they had their eyes fixed on earthly things and religious tradition. When Jesus showed up, they missed it. And they crucified him. The Apostle Paul, before he was known as the Apostle Paul... When he was called and referred to as Saul, it was then that he was even with the Jews, persecuting those that were of the way. The ones that called this Jesus the Messiah that said he was the one. To Saul and to the Jews, the religious of the day, it was heresy. Heresy that they would say that this man that had been crucified was in fact God wrapped in flesh. And that Jews had missed it. And so Paul was so stirred up. Saul was so stirred up. That he went and began to persecute these Christians. Because they were declaring the name of Jesus. But it was that road to Damascus. When he realized it was not they in error. It was he. He had missed it. They were right. Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He was the living God come in the flesh that had dwelt among them. 
And so it is from that basis he pins these words that we've just read in several translations that must become alive and real in our walk and our relationship with God. Because you and I in our humanity, maybe I should just say I, I can't speak for you. I probably could share some things about you because you're as human as I am. But in our humanity, as we grow in God, if we're not careful, we'll grow away from God and try to just become good at what we think God expects. And it's a moving away from the message of the cross. It's a moving away from Calvary. And the Apostle Paul, when he was writing here, he wasn't writing to the lost. He was writing to the church. That's why we read those first few verses. He said to the church at Corinth, those that are sanctified in Christ, called saints. That's who he was writing to. He said, I'm trying to help you remember something. I want to make sure you know something and you don't forget it. That the power of God was manifested on the cross. The power of God is not manifested in great and mighty work. It was manifested not by the power of His hand, but by the laying down of His life. Where is the power of God? The greatest power of God we know, I believe, is love. It's love. How did He manifest His love? The cross. The power of God was made manifest through the cross. Jews were looking for Him to manifest His power by overthrowing Roman government. They were wanting Him to do something different, but it was through the cross. And so you and I must know as the church of the living God, if I begin moving away from the cross, I begin moving away from the power of God. There is no other way. The Apostle Paul was very clear. He even goes so far as to say that this way, I preach nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'm not interested in fancy words. I don't want words that sound wise. I just want to speak the things that the Lord wants spoken so that the power of the cross is made manifest. Because if I begin speaking with fancy words and eloquent speech and I sound really wise to people, then all of a sudden it could cause people to think the cross isn't necessary. And so I don't want to, this is what Paul said in his words, lest the wisdom of words would take away from the effect of the cross. He shares that story. He talks about the manifested power of God through the cross. Our world is in a place that it's never been before. It's as dark as it's ever been, but I believe the light of God shines brighter than it ever could. For the world to know the church and for the world to know Him, this is the only way. The way of the cross. It's the wisdom of the cross that will make the world know Him. There's not another way. The power of this gospel is found at Calvary. The fact that he would lay down his life. See, the Jews didn't understand it because they wanted a strong king. And one that would allow himself to be taken captive. 
that would allow himself to be beat. That would allow himself to be nailed to a cross. That would allow himself to be falsely accused. That would allow that when he had the power to do something different. The Jews, it just, it offended them, the scripture says. It offended them because he was supposed to be strong, but he was weak. That can't be our king. They missed the fact that his weakness was his strength. You and I in our humanity, we fight the same fight. Isn't it any wonder that in Matthew and in Luke, Jesus said, except a, and in Mark, he said, except a man deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He cannot be my disciple. Your place of strength and my place of strength It's found the same way Christ exhibited strength. A cross. A dying to myself. And it feels like that doesn't show how strong I am, Brother Flowers. My weakness. If When people see my weakness, I've got to hide my weakness. No. My weakness is exhibited. And then when the power of God manifests itself, no one looks, Brother Rigo, and says, Wow, Joel and Rigo, they're powerful people. No, they recognize. No, I know those characters. I know who they were and what they were. That must be God that's working through their life. That manifestation that I'm witnessing, the power and the presence that I feel when they begin to speak or they're around me that that's not them I know who they were what is it that when Martin's teaching a class now something begins to happen in that class I know who that character was before I'll tell you what it is they look and they realize that's not who I knew something's different and we have the ability and the privilege and the responsibility to proclaim it's not I but Christ that lives in me And the manifestation of the power of God through our lives is exhibited the same way that it was through Christ. In my weakness, His strength is made perfect. In my foolishness, His wisdom is declared. But in my humanity, I would resist the cross. In my humanity, I would resist where God would lead me. Because it's a place of weakness and brokenness and humility. But it's a way of power manifested to the world. To the world, it's foolishness doesn't make sense. The educated of the day. I talked on a college campus last week to a group of students in a classroom. It was an interesting experience for me. I... um, I was invited by the professor who I'd spent some time with. And so I said, sure. I said, you know, what do you want me to talk about? He told me what, we want, what he wanted me to talk about and discuss and then take questions. And they had sent questions before. And so I was talking to this class of college students just in Ellensburg at Central Washington. And, and it was, it was a um, different experience. Let me say it that way. There were students in the class, I would guess, probably from 18 or 19 on up to probably 25 or 26 years old seemed to be the range. And as I was sharing things, having been in the workforce for more than 30 years now, 
and sharing these things that I was asked about and questions that were presented ahead and the thing the professor told me to talk about. I witnessed this some in the room when they learned I didn't have the education that they had. I mean, I'd only made it through high school. It was only the grace of God that got me that far. And I definitely don't think I'm the smartest tool in the shed. Or sharpest. See, I just proved it, didn't I? (laughs) But I witnessed this some in that class. They had no interest in anything I had to say. And they didn't have to. Why? Because they see the things when we would pursue him. The world, it was, to me, it was just a microcosm of our world today that says when we come preaching Christ and Him crucified, that's foolishness. You believe that nonsense? I've read comments online before about, oh, you're, you're mythical God in the sky. Why? It's foolishness to this world. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. God chose the foolishness to confound the wise. Because if you and I could wrap our human intellect around the greatness of God, faith wouldn't be necessary. But the wisdom of God Or the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men. And the weakness of God is greater than the strength of men. And so it is that God in His wisdom chose each one of us. You understand this today. This is what the Apostle Paul said here. He said, you see your calling, brethren, not many wise men, not many mighty, not many noble. Can we just be honest with ourselves this morning? Could we? How many PhDs we got in the room? Yeah. I'm not against PhDs. Don't get me wrong. Sister Priscilla is going to have a master's before long. Nothing wrong with education, you understand? How many of you were the richest in your area? How many of you, if you got a chance to say, well, here's my pedigree. This is why God should use me. Look at all my qualifications. Yeah. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, consider yourselves. He wasn't saying that in a condescending way. He was saying that so that we would look and realize, look, God didn't choose the people that were the highest qualified, had the pedigree, fit every detail. God said, if I can find a vessel that's not wrapped up in who they are, but willing to be given over to what I'm asking of them, I'll take something that seems foolish to the world, that doesn't seem wise to the world around them, and I'll confound the wise... 
And he choose, chose those that were not wise, those that were not many noble, not many mighty, not many wealthy. He chose those and said, these are the ones I'm going to use to turn the world upside down. These are the ones I'm going to use to display my power and manifest my glory. These are the ones I'm going to work through. Why? Because then when it's done, nobody can look and say, well, yeah, I can't do it because, you know, they're this and they're that. No, they'll look and they'll say, I know who they were. And if God can use them, it must be the great power of God at work in the earth. You understand in the book of Acts, there were some fishermen. Fishermen. Not scribes, Pharisees. Doctors of the law of the Old Testament. Fishermen. When Jesus found them, he didn't find them in the synagogue studying the scripture. He didn't find them in a place of prayer. When he found them, you know where he found them? He found them sitting in a boat mending nets. They had nets that were broken. Nets that needed repair. They weren't even well to do enough to just get new nets. They had to mend the nets they had. But they spent time with Jesus. And the scripture says in the book of Acts that when Peter and John were declaring the word of God after the man at the gate beautiful was healed at the word of God through their mouth and they were brought before the Pharisees and the, the, whoever, the high priests and all of that. When they were brought in front of them and they questioned them and challenged them by what power and what name they'd done this thing. They declared the name of Jesus and they wanted to beat them and they forbid them to speak in the name of Jesus. But the scripture says they took notice of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men. I can relate to that. They were ignorant and unlearned men. But here's something else they took notice of. They took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. And what was the problem? The problem was they couldn't refute these men based on intellectual grounds. And so when they tried to argue with what had happened, they couldn't argue because the reality was that man had sat at that gate for 38 years, but now he was whole. And they couldn't argue with the reality that something had changed in his life and that had been done by these two fishermen when they had spoke the word, I don't have silver and I don't have gold. I still don't have money like I was when he found me in the boat. But what I do have, I didn't have before. But what I've got now, I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the religious leaders of the day couldn't argue with that. And they were trying to understand it. Trying to realize. What was it? It was the foolishness of the cross. It was the foolishness of the cross. Because that's what Peter began declaring to them. I'm telling you, the one you crucified that you hung on the tree. By him is this man made whole. Declaring to you today. When you and I lay hold. Of the way and the wisdom and the power of the cross. We have to apologize to no one. You understand and we don't walk around boasting in who we are. God forbid. That's what Paul said. No flesh should glory in his presence. But the power and the manifestation of God takes place through your life. 
not because of our pedigree, but because of his greatness. Why don't you stand with me this morning? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The cross is still the power of God unto salvation. There's no other way. There is no other way. If I lose my life, I'll find it. If I lose my life, I'll find it. The Apostle Paul went on to say in the second chapter, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Watch this. Which none of the princes of this world knew. Why? For had they known it, if they would have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You understand what he's saying? He's saying if they would have realized that his power was going to be made manifested by dying, they would have never crucified him. If they would have known that the manifestation of the power and the glory of God was in a place of weakness, they would have never crucified Him. You have power with God. I have power with God. The enemy wants you and I trying to hold on to every area of our life that we may have built or made. And the Lord is saying, if you'll be willing to die to everything you've made and everything you've built and let me have full and complete control, that's the way of the cross. And that's the wisdom of the cross. And that's the power of the cross. And I'll manifest my glory through your life. That's called being a Christian. 
That's called being a Christian. Could we pray right now and talk to him? Come on, he's calling you. He's calling you. I feel the calling of the Spirit of the Lord on so many of you today. Come on, would you say yes to the wisdom of the cross today? Would you say yes to the wisdom of the cross today? I'd like to open this altar to you. Give you a place to make an altar and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. You chose me, not because I was qualified, that's for sure. (laughs) Because you chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Choose the wisdom of the cross today. Choose the way of the cross today. It is the manifestation of the power of God. It is the manifestation of the glory of God. If He's going to use you and I, and He is if we yield, it's only going to be by the way of the cross. He's inviting us because of His desire to use us. He's inviting us because of His desire to work in us and through us. Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Keep me near the cross, Lord. Keep me near the cross. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He said, I'll rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He understood in a place of weakness that God's strength was perfected. Would you talk to him today in Jesus' name?
believe the the thing that could be said about the Pharisees to probably sum up uh, the problem is that they didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. But really, if you if you dive into that, you figure out the inner workings of their mind was the fact that they thought they knew him better than he did, better than what the truth was. And they're in their minds and in their thinking, this can't be him because he has to be this. And in doing so, the problem with that was they thought they knew themselves as true and right. And every time the scripture is, the New Testament is full of rebukes and rebuttals against them as a group. And it's always because of their misperception or their misunderstanding. In one passage, I'm, I'm trying to close. This won't be long. In one passage, Jesus goes to the Pharisees and they say, what authority do you have to do and say the things that you're doing? Where do you get this authority? And he tells them, I'll tell you where I get this authority if you can answer me this question. The baptism of John, was that from heaven or was that of men? He asked them that. I'll I'll answer your question with a question. And I'll tell you, if you answer me this, I'll answer you where I get my authority. Was, Was the baptism of John from men or from heaven? And it says that they collected themselves together and talked about this. And they said, if we if we go back to him and say that the baptism of John was from heaven, he's going to ask us, well, then why didn't you do it? Because they didn't. And if, they, if we go back and say it was of men, the baptism of John was from men, then the people are going to riot against us because they believe he's a prophet. So we can't say either one. So they go back to him and say, we can't answer that question. And the response of Jesus was, I can't answer your question. I'm not going to tell you where I got my authority. And what that is, it's an internal struggle of the Pharisee. Because either I commit, either I confess that he is true and that John was true and that all this stuff is really of God. Either I confess that and I'm and confronted with my lack of response and my lack of reaction to that. Or I have to throw everybody else under the bus. If I say, no, that's not true, that's not right, then really what I'm doing is I'm pointing a finger at every brother and sister of Christ that's professing those things. And in that battle, Jesus knows. And he's, he's sitting there waiting. You have things you want from me? 
You want to know this about me? You want to learn this from me? Okay, let's address it from this position of honesty. Let's address it from this position of confession. When you come to me and say, you are Jesus, you are the, the, the Messiah, you are the one. That was what they couldn't do. They couldn't profess that he was the Messiah. Everything else that they did and tried to do then was wrong. And that's where all those rebukes come from. But it's because they couldn't confess that. When I, when I go before the Lord and I say, Lord, I, I want help with this. I need help with this. I, I know you have the power. I know you have the answers. You can help me with this thing, whatever it is in my life that I'm seeking you for. He, I hope this is okay. I hope this isn't. T- he'll, he'll respond with, okay, do you want to know? Do you really want the answer? And then he'll start to point things out in me. Is that hindering the answer? Is that preventing me from laying hold of the answer that he's already provided? I mean, most of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, we have enough knowledge. We talked about it. We don't have to have a lot more knowledge than what we already have collectively in this room. So we want to, we want to, I learned this in my in a government class in high school, the type of a, a, a argument in a debate is you put up something called a straw man, straw man debate. And that straw man is, we're going we're gonna to say he's wrong and we're going to deflect all of our wrongness onto him. I don't know the answer, but I'll tell you, he doesn't know the answer. And we're setting up this straw man debate. There's no place for that in my walk with God. But he knows that. And he's going to allow me if I have, if that's the level and I can't get past that, then he's going to sit here and saying, that's causing me to withhold these things, these answers, these revelations, whatever it is. It's called your, I'm saying my, my lack of, of honesty and openness prevents him from really being all of who he is and who he can be. I don't want that in my life. Let's talk to the Lord Jesus. Jesus, I want to be honest with you. Open and honest with you, Jesus. God, we confess, Lord, that you are the king of all kings. And we confess that all power is in your name. Jesus, all power is given to you in heaven and earth. Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would continue to form yourself in me. Continue, God, to develop yourself in me, God, in all the aspects of my own humanity, God. Jesus, I want you to work on those. God, I'm open with with you today about those. God, in your name, I thank you for meeting me here today. 
I thank you for speaking to my mind and to my spirit and to my heart today. I thank you for the great plan, God, that you have for the life of every person here. The mighty ways, God, that you would use us. God, I pray continue to lead us down a pathway of truth. God, continue to lead us down a pathway of understanding. Jesus, that we would cast all of our care on you. Jesus, every shortcoming of our own selves, God, that we would be honest with you and cast that upon you, Jesus. We know, God, your word says in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for it, God. I thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that your spirit would continue to work on us, God, as we go throughout this day and this week. Jesus, that it would be an ever-present reminder, God, that we need more of you. God, that more of our own understanding is not the answer. More of our own wisdom is not the answer. Jesus, but you are the answer. You are the way and the truth, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Just talk to him a little bit longer before we go here. Jesus, I commit myself to you right now. God, I believe you are the truth. I believe your ways are true. God, I believe you're leading every person here right now, God, in the ways of truth, the ways that lead to life, God, the ways that lead to the answers that we're seeking for. In the name of Jesus, let us lean upon you, God. Let us learn to lean upon you in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you to greet one another before you leave. Make sure you said hi to people and know that they're here and you're here. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.